0: Uh, love a good infomercial that's awesome <laughs> hey we're gonna uh jump into some spiritual practices here actually as a part of our, our sermon today so uh, as we do let's just start with a word of prayer and god thank you for this time to be together thank you for the fact that we've already been able to lift up one voice um with our our choir and our worship team and everybody here in this this space one voice in worship to you god uh be with us now, Lord, as, as uh, we look to your word and as we look to what uh, your people have been doing for generations upon generations to, to draw close to you and to walk step-by-step step this path of discipleship with you. We love you, Lord, and we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, as we start this morning, I wanted just to give a, another quick uh, announcement. Um, something that's going to be happening next week. Uh, it, maybe you you know this already. We have a Spanish-speaking congregation here uh, called Vida Nueva, and for for a long time they've been meeting uh, two uh, in the afternoon on Sundays. Um, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people as, that were part of the the Vida congregation uh, moved away, and so they've kind of shifted from the temporary. Uh, period of time here where instead of having their 2 p.m. full-on worship service uh, they're actually meeting right now in the conference room uh, doing you know Bible study and prayer uh, the, there's some really good news with that they've been having new people and families come every week which is exciting to see growth as part of Vida Nueva the bad news yes the bad news is they really miss worshiping through music and that's if you're like me you know that's an important part of of like I said before, joining our voices as one with Jesus, but also connecting personally with God. And so uh, the great news is we have an opportunity to invite them to worship with us. So next week, and we're going to do this uh, occasionally after that, we're going to invite Vida Nueva to come in for our worship time to sing with us. We're going to have songs uh, that we sing in English and songs that we sing in Spanish. And for every song, both the Spanish and English words will be on the screen so you can sing in whichever one is more comfortable for you. Uh, But I love this for a couple of reasons. One, it, it, Vita is a part of Fremont Community Church. Vita Nueva is, uh, is a part of our church family. And so to be able to worship with them in unity is a really cool thing. The second thing is, the Bible tells us that in God's eternal kingdom, Jesus has welcomed in people from every tribe and language, people, and nation. So all we're doing next week, and when we sing in multiple languages, is participating in something that's eternally going to happen in God's kingdom. And so that's fun, that's exciting, it's a vision, a glimpse of what eternity with Christ is like. So come, sing, try to sing in Spanish if that's not your first language and just see how it goes. Um, But let's worship with our hearts as one body of believers across all demographics and languages, etc. I'm excited about that. Yes. Yes. Speaking of languages, raise your, please raise your hand if you speak, at least conversationally, speak at least two languages, okay? That's a lot of us. Keep your hand up if you speak three languages. Oh, my goodness. How about four languages, anybody? Whoa five or more? Okay, four was our limit. That's amazing. That's pretty awesome. In my life, I have tried to learn three other, language other uh, languages other than English. The first is in high school, I took three years of Japanese class. Um, then uh, I was in a ministry setting where I was traveling to Haiti at least once a year to, do, to, to work with our partner ministry there, and so I started getting pretty decent in Haitian Creole. And then, uh, later on, I was in a ministry context where the majority of the city I was living in were native Spanish speakers. That was most people's first language, and so I started learning Spanish. Here's the problem. I don't practice those languages enough. I haven't been able to hold on to those languages. I can catch a few things here or there, but most of the time, if I'm overhearing a, a conversation in those languages, I'm very confused. If you were to drop me in the middle of Japan right now, I would be very, very lost or in Haiti or in any of the Spanish-speaking world, I would be in trouble. I wouldn't be able to ask for help. I wouldn't know what words to use. As people were trying to help me, I wouldn't understand what they were saying. It would be a total mess, and I'd be in deep, deep trouble. I'm out of practice. I don't understand the language, and that means there's no connection that's possible. And this concept is the same with God. We've been talking about balance in life. That's why I'm wearing my Karate Kid shirt because I can get away with it one more week. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch week one as I reminisce probably too much about Karate Kid. But when we have balance in life, when we have a rhythm of life where we intentionally spend time with God and with the people he's put in our lives to show love to, it's like we're speaking God's language. We know how to call out to him. We understand what he's trying to say to us. But when we don't prioritize these times of practice, it's like we're speaking a different language than God is. We struggle to understand and we struggle to hear his voice. We don't know what he wants from us and and we can't even receive his help because we're, we're not able to connect. So last week I made the case that if you want health and balance in your life, we've got to prioritize time with Jesus and quality time with people in very practical ways. I said it started by looking at your calendar. Step one is making sure you've got intentional time with Jesus and others blocked off in your calendar. Make it a priority. Step two, look at everything else in your calendar and ask the question, how does Jesus fit? How can I include Jesus into all of my appointments? What if you started each week or each day with a prayer over your calendar? You might experience the power of God in in. Not just the expected ways, but unexpected ways. So the question I have before we move on is, is it possible that God goes with you to your chemistry class? Or even to PE? Is it possible that God is present even in your Zoom meetings? Is it possible that God wants to work even in the most mundane task on your to-do list? This week... I want to talk about what can we prioritize in the calendar. We we, we talked about carving out space, so what kinds of things can we do, can we put into those calendar spots? How can we, in our alone time with Jesus, in our community time together, draw closer to God? So these are ways of practicing how to speak and hear God's language, that we might know him and have closeness with him. There are so many spiritual practices that you can do, both listed in the Bible and and that the church has uh, done over the years. I'm not even going to scratch the surface, Um, but what I want to do before I get into a few of them that we're going to take a little deeper dive on, I want to recommend some books that are really helpful, Um, and you can take a picture of what's on the screen, and you can go Google those later as we throw the slide up, but these are some books. The first is some classics. Some classic books that people have been using a long time to cultivate spiritual disciplines with God. The first one is Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. This is a standard. This is one that uh, believers have been digging into for a long time. Uh, It's just a great way of of connecting with God. The Practice of the Presence of God is actually an older book, uh, and it's been translated into English, and it's about how God is present at all times. How do we tend to that presence? How do we, when we're washing the dishes, Find a way to connect with Jesus in the most simple things. Another book is called The Divine Hours by Phyllis Tickle. She's taken the the, the liturgical prayers of the Catholic Church and turned them into prayers that we can pray today in our own language throughout the day. Sometimes it's okay to pray prayers that are written for us. I don't always know what to pray, and sometimes praying the words of other Jesus-loving people have been really helpful for me to connect with God. Last one, Spirit of the Disciplines. Dallas Willard is a giant in the field of spiritual formation, and this is one of many. I did choose which of his books I would recommend. And so I went with that one, Spirit of Disciplines. But there are some new favorites that I have that I want to recommend to you. If you've never heard of them, I'm really excited to share it. Some of these I'm actually going to um, uh, quote from in the sermon today. The first one is The Spiritual Practices of Jesus by Catherine J. Wright. She looks at three common things that Jesus did in his life to connect with God, and live out what what exactly God called him to do. The second one is The Deeply Formed Life by Pastor Rich Viotas. He pastors a church in New York. Love his writing, love his preaching. Just an excellent guy, but this is a Excellent book. It's just come out in the last couple of years, um, and I highly recommend it. And the last one is by a close friend of mine, Pastor Diana Shiflet, who wrote a book called Spiritual Practices in Community. And she, she has a heart for spiritual formation, but she also knows it's not just a one-on-one thing with God. And so how do we do this together? Okay, those are some great resources. I recommend you look them up, buy, buy a couple of those books, try some of those things out in your, your, your life group, your small group, one-on-one with a friend or family member. Um, Just a great resource. But today I want to dive into three practices that we can um, take a little deeper dive into and start incorporating into our lives if they're not a part of our lives already. The first one is solitude and silence. Solitude and silence. Luke chapter 5. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell to his face. Uh, fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus practiced solitude and silence before God the Father. Think about this passage through a different lens. Why doesn't Jesus leverage this experience? He could have used this, this miracle to grow his fame, to grow his ministry, to, to, to grow a, his, his group of followers. These are interactions that people have with Jesus, he often had these interactions where he would say, don't tell anybody. A lot of times Bible scholars call this keeping the messianic secret. Jesus was doing things that only God can do. Jesus was doing things that only the promised Messiah would be able to do. And he wasn't ready to reveal that yet. People under normal circumstances can't touch another person and heal them, so it's not a shock that it was a big deal and the crowds flocked to him. But for some people, even perhaps his disciples, it would have made more sense for Jesus to leverage this, to make a bigger deal about these things. Jesus, don't withdraw to pray. There's so many more people to heal. Isn't that what you came here to do, to bring healing? Jesus, do you know what kind of influence and power you can get if you just stay here and heal every single person who comes for healing? Think of the army of followers you have just from the ones you've healed, let alone all the witnesses who've seen it. You'll be famous. You'll have influence. You'll be able to make a splash. But no, Jesus doesn't try to leverage his ability to heal. He doesn't try to leverage this miracle for greater fame or influence or power. Instead, he tells the guy to keep quiet. And when word spreads anyway, he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright said this, Luke concludes the story by once more drawing our attention to Jesus' source of strength. He used to slip away from the crowds to somewhere where he could be alone and pray. Jesus practicing solitude and silence Jesus, the truest embodiment of what humanity was created to be. And yet he took a break to go and rely on his heavenly father, to step away from the noise of the crowds, to step away from the work, even the very good work of healing people, so that he can be in the presence of God the Father. There's so much to dig in here, but I just want to say this this morning. At the very least, this is a powerful example he set for us. To finish that quote by N.T. Wright, he says, if we even begin to do the same, we may discover that we are enabled and challenged to find ways of bringing the same love in action to those who need it. Circumstances change, but there are plenty of people in today's world who need the touch of Jesus, literally and metaphorically, and are waiting for us to provide it. For Jesus, there was always gonna be someone to heal. There was always gonna be another broken and lost one to love and to show the way back, There would always be a crowd clamoring for his attention, but it seems that even Jesus, in order to continue to do the work his father had for him, needed time alone with God. He knew where life comes from. He knew that his relationship with the father could not be neglected if he was going to carry out his purpose. And for us, there will always be another deadline. There will always be another homework assignment. There will always be ways to improve your future and climb a ladder and achieve. There will always be responsibilities. There may be even very, very good things that God has called you to do. But where does the power to do that come from? How do you keep from burning out? How do you make sure that the things that you're setting your mind and your effort to matter For more than just today, but for all of eternity, because they're empowered by God. Solitude is necessary. Jesus showed us this. And within solitude, within pulling away and being alone, you you can engage in all sorts of other practices. And I suggest you try a bunch of them, but time alone with God to pause and reflect and to hear his voice. Last week, I handed out uh, a prayer of examine. I'm gonna walk off frame here, sorry camera folks. Uh, the prayer of examine, and you can come and get one of these if you don't have it. This is an excellent way of, of spending that time alone with God. You can do it in community, but it's a great time to just inspect your own heart and connect with God and hear from him. Journaling is a great practice to do in solitude. Process through your day, write out your prayers. Listening to God asking God, what do you want to say to me? Reading scripture alone, asking God, what does this mean for my life? Sometimes silence, just silence. Don't say anything, don't do anything. Just sit, listen. We live in a world that is constantly bombarding us with noise. I read this week that up to, somewhere between four and 10,000 messages come at us every day many of them advertisements. The world is trying to get our attention for a million different things. We're overstimulated. We can't handle boredom. <laughs> we don't actually see any value in being bored, so we've got music or podcasts going on in the car, and every, every dead, silent space in our day is filled with Netflix or something else to distract us from the silence. Rich Viotis wrote in The Deeply Formed Life, silent prayer is often uneventful. It's what I refer to as normalized boredom. In a society driven by sensory stimulation, distraction, and activity, silent prayer is an alien practice. It's not from this world. I hope that encourages you. I'm often in conversation with people who lament that nothing earth shattering happens when they are still in silence. I usually say, join the club. Think of boredom during silent prayer as an act of purification. In this uneventful moment, God purifies us, the false God of good feelings. While good feelings are gifts, they can easily become an end in themselves. We can move from worshiping the living God to worshiping our spiritual experiences. I love this. I love this. We can numb ourselves out with a million different distractions to avoid the hard questions, the real things that are bothering us, the things that feel like they're looming over our heads. But those good things are not the best things. Silent prayer opens us up allows us to be bored, allows us to hear from God. And I mentioned this last week, the true building of healthy disciplines uh, doesn't come in exciting and ecstatic experience, but in the day-to-day quality time with God. One of the best parts about silence is that like most spiritual disciplines, They don't have to happen alone. They don't have to happen one-on-one. Sometimes silence and solitude go together, but sometimes silence and community is a good thing. We're going to practice this later because maybe this is a new practice for you and sometimes it's hard to enter into these things. You're afraid to maybe take the first step. We're going to do this together later and maybe you can practice this alone. Maybe you can practice this in your life group, your missional community, your your small group in student ministry. But I want to just highlight here Silent prayer helps us to remember that it's not about a one-time spiritual experience. If you make space for silent prayer in your day, over time you'll be able to to hear the voice of God. You'll hear from Him what He wants to say, who He wants you to, to, to reach out to, to show love to. He'll tell you in that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. He'll cut through all the noise and let you know what He wants you to focus on. But it happens over time happens with consistency, Make space for solitude and silence. Another one that, that I want to take us through this morning is really uh, practical, and it's something that's been really important to us in this season of life at FCC, and it's called Discovery Bible Study. Hey, raise your hand if you've heard of Discovery Bible Study before. Awesome. Most of us. Well, good. This will be a refresher for many of you. For others, this might be a new practice, uh, but the Bible was extremely important to Jesus. Extremely important. He was constantly quoting scripture. He was constantly teaching and reinterpreting the scripture for his time and place so that people might know the heart of God. Discovery Bible Study is great because it helps us see scripture with fresh eyes each time we read a passage. It also helps us contextualize our passage for the day. This is what Jesus often did. He would invite others to interpret the scriptures with him. He knew the answers. He didn't need their input, he's Jesus, but he would often invite them, teach yourselves how? He would ask them this question, what do you think? And when he asked that, he was inviting them to look at the scriptures and discern, what does this mean for us right here and right now? Discovery Bible Study invites us to do the same. What does this passage in its original context teach us about God, about Jesus, about his plan? And then what does that mean for us? in 2022 in Fremont, California. Discovery Bible Study is a tool that you can use in many environments. You can do this as a solo exercise. You can do this in community. This isn't even something that has to be done with just believers. This is something that can be done with with anyone because it asks great questions. And I'll I'll take you through it. I'm just gonna take you through Discovery Bible Study, this outline here, Uh, it's gonna be up on the screen. Uh, and you can get more information. If you Google Discovery Bible Study, you'll see Discovery Bible Study tools online is, is one of the things that we use around here. Uh, but this is, this is how DBS goes. First, it starts with each person answering the following questions. What are you thankful for? What is causing you stress? Who needs our help and how can we help them? So before we even get into the Bible, we're processing life. We're processing what's been going on We're focusing our hearts. then we look back. Okay, last week at DBS, what was God teaching me? How, How did I act differently? What did I do differently because of it? Who did I tell? What was the reaction? Then you get into the actual passage for that day, right? One person reads the Bible passage out loud, and the rest follow along. Someone else retells the passage by memory, if possible. Others can fill in what is missing. So you take this time to read it and then put it in your own words. What does this text say? Then you read the passage again, and you discuss what this passage tells us about God, Jesus, or his plan. One more time you read the passage, and you discuss, what does this passage say about humanity, about us? And this is my favorite question of the whole thing, because anyone can answer it, no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey. If we believe this passage is from God, how must we change? It doesn't say, this passage is from God, so you must change. It says, if We believe this passage is from God. How must we change? What do I need to change? And lastly, who who needs to hear this story? What opportunities do I have to tell them? This is such a great, simple tool of personal Bible study, of community, community reflection, of inviting people who don't know Jesus yet to get to know Jesus through the words of Scripture. This week, uh, we had our, uh, our um, Wednesday staff meeting, our leadership team meeting that we have every Wednesday. And every Wednesday, we do Discovery Bible Study as part of that. And this week, Pastor Ty led us uh, with a verse from First Peter chapter 3. And, and we're in this room, a room full of busy people with very specific departments and responsibilities that they've got to get done that week. And this passage in 1 Peter 3 reminded us not just the things that we're supposed to accomplish them, but how we're supposed to accomplish them. 1 Peter 3 tells us that we are to to move forward with unity with one another, having the same mind. And this brought up for us real relationships. What does this mean for us today? It brought to mind people, people that maybe we struggle with people that that maybe sometimes feel like an obstacle to the to-do list that I have to do. And Jesus is saying, they are not your enemy. They are not an obstacle. That's your brother or sister in Christ. We move forward in unity. And then it it talks about, hey, when you're outside the walls of the church, when you're surrounded by people who don't believe what you believe, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. That's the what. What? The how, Peter says, with gentleness and respect. That is such a good reminder. I've been in so many conversations in my life as a Christian where I'm trying to explain to somebody the gospel of Jesus, and they've got really good questions and pushback. And I get defensive, and I want to be right, and I want to win the argument or win them by my amazing turn of phrase or, you know, knowledge or whatever. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. The how is important too, gentleness and respect. For Jesus, the end doesn't justify the means. In fact, the means are the end in themselves. Faithfulness equals success in Christianity. And so we don't just do things. We do them in unity and with gentleness and respect. The how really matters. Man, that was a good wake-up call for me, for all of us to go, whoa, it's not just about what we do. It's about how we do it. We needed that. And we're in a room full of leaders in the church And this this simple practice of discovery Bible study hit home in a fresh way. I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to, to, to try this out. DBS, again, is a powerful tool for personal and communal Bible study. And it also prepares us for the mission that we have, to join God in his work to reconcile all things to himself. And in this particular DBS, again, we were reminded... And we're to do that with gentleness and respect. We, we do the work in the way of Jesus, pursuing unity with believers and sharing the gospel, the gospel of peace with gentleness and respect. Okay, one last practice, and then we're gonna uh, have the choir come back up and lead us in some worship. Bless rhythms. Who's heard of blessed rhythms? Aha, if you go through a discipleship pathway, you're going to never stop hearing about blessed rhythms, <laughs> because this is another important part of what Jesus is doing in this season of the life of FCC. And so I encourage you to uh, jump into discipleship pathway because not only will you learn more about blessed rhythms, you'll practice them and share stories about what God does as you practice these things. Blessed Rhythms. It, it's a simple acronym to help us remember what it looks like to be on mission with Jesus. The first one is begin with prayer. And so for, uh, for us, this looks like prayer walks. We've encouraged everyone who goes through discipleship pathway, prayer walk your neighborhood. Show up to work five minutes early and prayer walk the office space or the school hallways. Or if you're, if you're a student and you're walking through the halls of your, forget about the chemistry homework that you've got for two minutes and just walk through the halls and pray for God's presence to be revealed to show you what he's up to. In fact, we we this is so important. We set a goal that we wanted to see 500 prayer walks happen this year from uh, people who are part of FCC. Every week, when you get an email from Fremont Community Church, there is a link you can click on and report how many prayer walks you've done that week. I would encourage you, please, every week, see that as a reminder to go prayer walk, and then two, enter it because uh, we've we're about halfway there, which is awesome. But I think we're we're far beyond it. We just haven't reported it very well. So look for that. Uh, Let us know that you're prayer walking because that's, that's a powerful way that we join God with God. What He's doing. The second one, listen. First is we listen to the Holy Spirit as we're prayer walking. We're saying, God, I believe you're at work here already. You don't need me, but you invite me into the work that you're doing. Show me who do you want me to love. How do you want me to love them? What do you want me to say? What. When do you want me to shut up? We just, we listen to the voice of the Spirit, but we also listen to people. We learn their stories. We see where the broken places are. We see where they need love and and attention in their lives. And we meet them there. We ask questions. More than we talk, we ask questions. And we invite their questions as well. But listen. The third one is my favorite. We eat. Because that's what Jesus did. He ate with people, and it's around that meal, it's around that cup of coffee that community really happens. Prioritize meals, prioritize hospitality. Bring in Starbucks for your coworkers, or share some snacks at the lunch table at school. And just be present to what's going on there. Relationships are building. Last, uh, the first S, there's two S's. The first one is Serve. Meet needs as you learn what's going on in people's lives. Find ways to tangibly love them. But the second part of that is equally important. Our relationships are not top-down or one way. Be vulnerable enough to share how you need to be served. In relationship, in true relationship, there's reciprocation. We take care of each other. Serve. Allow yourself to be served. The last S, share. Share God's story. That's where the invitation for DBS comes in. And oftentimes it comes because somebody asks you questions. As you live these blessed bless rhythms, people are gonna go, what's, what's up with you? Why do you live like this? Why do you care like this? Why are you different than the people around me? And you could say, here's what Jesus has done in my life. And the more they question, the more they, they wanna know about God, it's this simple, hey, I could tell you all this, but w- what if we just did a Discovery Bible study together? Let's just read some, some Bible passages together. I, I've got a really great way of doing that. Um, that has open-ended questions, no pressure. You don't have to believe what I believe, but if if you're interested, why don't we just sit down and study this together? You don't need a a, a prepared speech. You don't need a a, a catchy way of presenting the gospel. You just say, hey, I believe Jesus is gonna speak to us if we open up his word. Let's do it together. So that's the blessed rhythms. Um, This is something that, you know, once you go through a discipleship pathway, it's an incredible thing to just have in your mind all the time. But let me give you a quick warning. And this warning comes from the kettlebell gym I used to attend when I lived in the Chicago area. Okay? I don't know if you've ever seen a kettlebell workout. It's like CrossFit, but they use those big, stupid, heavy bells. right? And uh, it takes some serious stamina when you go to a kettlebell gym because there's people. There are like 90-pound women who lift heavy bells over their heads, and you're like, I can do that. And the first time you're there, you cannot do that. It hurts. It's not a good idea. And so one time I invented a friend of mine to come with me. He worked with me. And and I was like, come on, you're an athletic guy. Come work out with me. And he got there. And the way that the bells are situated is the heaviest bell is gold. And that's really attractive. The lightest bell is what? Pink. Pink. (laughs) Homeboy was like, I'm not doing the pink bell. I'm a man, right? So he goes for a heavier bell. He looks at what everybody else is doing. Like, he's way bigger and stronger than me, so he grabs whatever bell I'm doing. If you can do it, I can do it. In this particular workout, there were so many pull-ups involved in this workout that the next day, I, who was going there four days a week, I couldn't straighten my arms all the way. It was brutal. This dude walked in to work like this. He, could, he didn't even want to try to open his arms. He was so sore. He was like, that was stupid. I hate it. I'm never going back. He tried too much too fast. He got excited about the idea of getting in shape and doing this new thing, and he burned himself out within the first workout. And I want to just warn you that with spiritual practices, it can be the same way. You can get excited about something that's really good for you and say, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to spend solitude at home. I'm going to spend time in uh, silence. I'm going to do discovery Bible study with me, my coworkers, my family. I'm going to do uh, all the blessed rhythms at once. I'm going to do it all. And it's not, it doesn't work like that. It's not sustainable. It's a a marathon, it's not a sprint. It's about the regular, ongoing doing of these things that will make the difference in your life. Eugene Peterson, one of my favorite pastors, he wrote a book about the Psalms, and he called faith with Jesus a long obedience in the same direction. It's not flashy. It doesn't look like bench pressing 400 pounds. It looks like bench pressing 45 pounds over and over and over again. That's how we draw close to Jesus. That's how we walk with him step by step in discipleship. I wanna um, close with one verse. We sang it earlier, but it's one of my favorite passages. John 14. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. We know God when we know Jesus. And we know Jesus by imitating him, doing the things that he did, chasing after God the way that he did, loving others the way that he did. One of my favorite parts about this passage, I'm just going to paraphrase it, but later in this passage, Jesus says when we follow in his footsteps, when we do the things that he did, not only will we know God, but we'll see even greater things than what we saw in his ministry. Because the ministry was going to go from one man, Jesus, into us, filled with his Holy Spirit, taking this to the ends of the earth, empowered by God to do amazing things. And when he says this, this you, he's saying Y'all, y'all will do greater things. In community, faithfully, every day walking with me, you will see miracles. You will see incredible things happen. And it doesn't happen because of some splashy thing that you do. It's going to happen in the day-to-day, the mundane, the silence and the solitude, the Bible study, the blessed rhythms. It's going to happen when those things are a priority for you. I'm going to invite the choir and the band to come back. We're going to sing together. And I want to close this in prayer. And then afterwards, we're gonna have a benediction and a time of practicing silence together. I wanna close our service with that today because I think it's a powerful way to start our busy week. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that we don't have to reinvent the wheel, that everything that, that, that we talked about this morning, all of these practices are just us following in your footsteps that you went away to be with the Father and you showed us that we really need to be alone, to spend time with the Father. Jesus, you prioritized scripture in your life and in the lives around you. You showed us what it meant to apply it to our lives. Jesus, everywhere you went, you blessed people. You prayed for people. You listened to the hurting. You ate meals with the people that they said you shouldn't be hanging out with. You served, you washed feet, you healed. And you constantly were proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. We're not doing anything new. We're just following after you. You are the way, the truth, and the life, God. We want to know you. Help us to do that by just following in your footsteps, doing the things that you would do and loving the people that you love. It's so in the mighty, saving name of Jesus we pray.